Hello, fellow saints, and welcome back to Come Follow Me with Brother T. We are going over Alma, chapters 17 through 22 today, and this is some great missionary scriptures here. We're talking about Ammon, we're talking about Aaron, and, and their struggles and their success. Now, before I go much further, I want to say something first, and that is that many of us feel a little guilty when we have these lessons or talks about missionary work, and I think the brethren have been sensitive to that as of late, and are trying to help us understand that our expectations of how we share the gospel might be skewed a little bit. And I hope in this podcast we can go over how to be a good member missionary and actually have success without all of the pressure. See, I I love missionary work, and and I think there's nothing more exhilarating than sharing the gospel with someone who's eager to learn. But it's hard to get to that point. It's hard to find those people, and it's uncomfortable at times. Well, I've been blessed to have several friends join the church with whom I was able to join in the discussions, baptize, confirm, go to the temple. And let me just say that Doctrine and Covenants, section 18, verse 15, where it says, if you labor all your days, cry in repentance and bring, save it be one soul, how great shall be your joy with them in the kingdom of my Father. And there is great joy in doing missionary work. So with that in mind, let's dive into the success of Ammon in chapter 17. Now, before we go there, this is a little bit of a flashback. At the beginning of chapter 17, it talks about how Alma is traveling from Gideon to Manti, and he meets the sons of Mosiah who are coming home after a 14-year mission. And they rejoice together. And this is why they were rejoicing together. said in verse 2, they waxed strong in the knowledge of the truth because they had searched the scriptures diligently, and they had gone about with prayer and fasting and the spirit of prophecy and the spirit of revelation, and they taught with power and authority of God. And now we go back to their account, and and they all leave together to go to the Lamanites. And notice how they prepare themselves. First of all, it talks about how they prepare themselves temporarily, making sure that they've got ways to have enough food and that they've got clothing and they've got uh, actually some things to uh, protect themselves. And then in verse 9, it says that they fasted much, they prayed much, that the Lord would grant unto them a portion of his spirit to go with them and abide with them, that they might be an instrument in the hands of God. So we see here that they did what they needed to do to prepare themselves to be missionaries. And then the other thing that they did was that in verse 11, it says, And the Lord said unto them, Go forth among the Lamanites, thy brethren, and establish my word. Yet ye shall be patient in longsuffering and afflictions that ye may show forth good examples unto them in me. So the Lord gives them an idea of how he wants this missionary effort to go forth, that they're not going to go out like Alma and just go tell the people to start repenting. They need to go, be patient, show examples, and serve for a time. And this is what Elder Ballard had to say about missionary work as members. He says, first, get to know your neighbors. Learn about their families, their work, their views. Get together with them, if they are willing, and do so without being pushy and without any ulterior motives. Friendship should never be offered as a means to an end. It can and should be an end unto itself. Let us cultivate meaningful relationships of mutual trust and understanding with people from different backgrounds and beliefs. Second, I believe it would be good if we eliminated a couple of phrases from our vocabulary, non-member and non-Mormon. Such phrases can be demeaning and even belittling. Personally, I don't consider myself to be a non-Catholic or a non-Jew. I'm a Christian. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That is how I prefer to be identified, for who and what I am, as opposed to being identified for what I am not. Let us extend the same courtesy to those who live among us. If a collective description is needed, then neighbors seems to work well in most cases. 
And third, if neighbors become testy or frustrated because of some disagreement with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or with some law we support for moral reasons, please don't suggest to them, even in a humorous way, that they consider moving someplace else. I cannot comprehend how any member of our church can even think such a thing. Our pioneer ancestors were driven from place to place by uninformed and intolerant neighbors. They experienced extraordinary hardship and persecution because they thought, acted, and believed differently from others. If our history teaches us nothing else, it should teach us to respect the rights of all people to peacefully coexist with one another. And I think that's great advice, obviously, by Elder Ballard. Three ways that we can really just show forth love and be good examples to people in missionary work. So the sons of Mosiah prepare themselves to go on a mission there. They're leaving, and it says that Ammon blesses them, and they all go their separate ways, and we follow Ammon first. And Ammon goes to the land of Ishmael, which is named after the sons of Ishmael, who identified with Laman and Lemuel, and thus became Lamanites. And he's immediately bound and taken before the king. Now, I assume that Ammon lets the king know who he is, because the king offers his daughter for marriage, thinking a blood alliance probably with the son of the king of Mosiah would be good. But Ammon refuses and asks to be a servant. Now, I also don't know if this made the king a little mad or what's going on here, but we do know that he sends Ammon on a pretty dangerous job, and that's watering the flocks. Now, it doesn't sound like too, it's too dangerous, but consider the story. Okay, Ammon and his fellow servants take the sheep to Sebus, and there the Lamanite thieves scatter the flocks so they can later collect them and steal from King Lamoni. And it says that the servants were afraid because in the past when this has happened, King Lamoni has taken it out on the servants by killing them. Ammon's having nothing of that. He helps the servants gather the sheep together, then goes to battle with the thieves. And they can't hit him. They're throwing stones at him and trying to hit him. Meanwhile, on the other side, Ammon is using a sling and he's knocking them off. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, and he's a, he's a good shot. And it's kind of like Han Solo, who never gets shot, but any random shot that he makes hit a stormtrooper right in the chest and kills him. So here's what we have. And then, then they come after him with clubs, only to get their arms cut off. And I'm sure they're thinking to themselves it's merely a flesh wound. But nevertheless, the leader goes after Ammon, and Ammon kills him with the sword. And that's, that's the only person he actually kills with a sword. So the moral of the story is, this guy is hardcore. Don't mess around with Ammon. And then what does he do? He just goes back to gathering the sheep and, and making sure they get watered. And the servants go back and they've carried the arms of these thieves and they bring it into the into the king as a witness that, hey, we're not making this thing up. And it rocks the king. And he gets this idea that Ammon is the great spirit. And for the first time in his life, he starts to wonder if killing off his servants for letting his sheep get stolen was the right move. In fact, he even believes that Ammon is the great spirit. And in the past, he's, you know, he's believed in a great spirit, but he never thought, as it says here in verse 5 of, of chapter 18, he, notwithstanding they believed in the great spirit, they supposed that whatsoever they did was right. Nevertheless, Lamoni began to fear exceedingly with fear, lest he had done wrong in slaying his servants. For the, so for the first time in his life, he's feeling guilty. He's feeling that maybe he's not doing the right thing. So he asks where Ammon is. And where is he? He's serving the king even more by getting his horses ready. This guy is unstoppable. When he claimed he just wanted to serve, he did. That's all he wanted to do. He wanted to make sure that the king knew that he was a servant. And I don't share this to make us feel guilty because I doubt we will ever be given an opportunity to serve a king by battling a whole band of thieves. 
However, there are still many ways we can serve in small and very impactful ways. And I want to share a story about one way that has really impacted my life. And that is an old scoutmaster. His name's Pat Dunton. And Pat, I talked to him many years later, just probably about 10 years ago. And he said, you know, I don't know what I did, but I have all these boys who just feel like they just really connected with me. And I had to share with him, it was just his simple act of love and taking us camping. And that's all it was. And he let us be boys and he taught us great lessons, not by his superior intellect or knowledge of the scriptures, although he was pretty smart with the scriptures, but just because he showed he cared and was a great example to us. And this is what President Irene said. He said, never, never underestimate the spiritual value of doing temporal things well for those whom you serve. Be their servants and you will love them and they will feel your love. And more important, they will feel God's love. And I certainly felt that love from Brother Dunton and God's love from and through him. And I know that when I served my mission, that was one of the things I really had to learn to do was to love the people so that I could serve them. And on the flip side, I served them so that I could love them and learn to love them. So here you have Ammon, and he's called before the king, and he asks, what do you want? And King Lamoni does not respond for an hour. Now here Ammon is given a gift of discernment into why the king is so reticent to talk, and he tells the king what he knows and who he is, and he begins to teach. And I love in verse 24 where it says, And Ammon began to speak unto him with boldness. I love boldness, because we have the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have the truth. Why shouldn't we be bold? And now in verses 24 through 28, we get a great lesson on how to start teaching other people, how to start working with them and doing missionary work. And he starts with common beliefs and he asks if he believes in God. And of course, King Lamoni says, I don't know what God is. And he says, okay, well, hold on. Do you, do you believe in a great spirit? He says, yes, I believe in a great spirit. He says, okay, that's, that's God. Now, we know that God is not a great spirit, but Ammon is building on common beliefs. He's finding those things that fit together for both of them. And we need to do that. In fact, Elder Dunn said, Today we live in times of conflict, dissent, differences of opinion, charges, countercharges, disagreements. There is a need for us, perhaps more than ever before, to reach within ourselves and allow the quality of mutual respect, mingled with charity and forgiveness, to influence our actions with one another, to be able to disagree without becoming disagreeable, to lower our voices and build on common ground with the realization that once the storm has passed, we will still have to live with one another. Great advice, especially for today. Ammon goes on and he teaches in verse 35. He talks about the Spirit and he identifies the Spirit. And this is a great missionary tool. Now, King Lamoni was wondering how he knew the thoughts of his heart. So Ammon explains in verse 35, And a portion of that Spirit dwelleth in me, which giveth me knowledge and also power, according to my faith and desires which are in God. So there he goes. He identifies the Spirit. And then he starts to talk about the plan of salvation. Now, Elder Bruce R. McConkie called these foundational doctrine. He said, The creation, the fall, and the atonement are the pillars of eternity and the greatest events that have ever occurred in all eternity. If we can gain an understanding of them, then the whole eternal scheme of things will fall into place and we will be in a position to work out our salvation. These three are the foundations upon which all things rest. Without any one of them, all things would lose their purpose and meaning, and the plans and designs of deity would come to naught. So, of course, Ammon goes over those three things specifically. 
And Lamoni begins to repent. He feels that godly sorrow and he falls to the earth comatose. And we head into chapter 19. And Lamoni is in a coma for two days and they want to bury him. And it's, I love this, this little scripture here because the queen calls Ammon in to ask him what to do. And she's such a good wife. I imagine that after two days, any guy would start to smell bad, whether they're dead or not. But she says in verse five that she doesn't think that he stinks. Ah, how sweet. So anyway, Ammon teaches her and notice her faith in verse nine when it says, believest thou this? And she said unto him, I have no witness save thy word and the word of our servants. Nevertheless, I believe that it shall be according as thou hast said. And Ammon makes mention of it in verse 10, that not so great a faith has been among the Nephites in quite some time. Well, on the third day, no symbolism lost again there, he wakes and begins to preach, and everyone listening hears and repents and falls to the earth, except a servant named Abish. And she has her own kind of spin-off story here where she was converted a long time ago because of a remarkable vision of her father. So she's so excited to see everyone changing, repenting, that she calls everyone that she can in to see what's happened and to witness this great miracle. Only it doesn't go quite as she was planning on. And one of the brothers of the slain sheep scatterers goes to kill Ammon and he drops dead. And that creates an even more stir where there's a division between the people who think it's a miracle and those who think that the great spirit is punishing them because they would uh, kill the, the servants who, whose sheep were scattered. Abish sees the contention and she decides to do something about it. She wakes her queen and the queen wakes up and she begins to preach. And she wakes up the king and the king begins to preach. And it says in verse 31 that after seeing the contention, he sets forth a plan to teach them the word, to let them know what the truth is. And it's interesting because many were converted at the time, but agency is still very real. And in verse 32, it says, But there were many among them who would not hear the words, therefore they went their way. So don't get discouraged in missionary work. There will be a lot of people who decide that it's not for them, for whatever reason, and that's their choice. I had many experiences on my mission where I was teaching a principle. I felt the Spirit. I knew they felt the Spirit. I identified the Spirit. I invited them to do something, and they were like, nah, not for me. I'm not going to do it. And it's heartbreaking, but that's just the way that it is. And now we move on to chapter 20. And Ammon is told by the Spirit that he needs to help rescue his brothers in Madoni. And King Lamoni says, well, the, the king there is a friend of mine. I'll go and help. And on the way, they run into Lamoni's father, or the over-king. And we never know what his real name is. He's just always called Lamoni's father. And he's angry at Lamoni because Lamoni didn't show up to his party. Remember, Ammon was getting the horses ready to go to the Lamoni's father's feast for some reason or another. And Lamoni was a bit busy repenting and having a life-changing spiritual experience, so he didn't make it. So Lamoni's father wants Lamoni to slay Ammon, but of course Lamoni refuses, knowing that he couldn't do it anyway. And so the old man goes after Ammon himself, only to be completely humble. And notice what he offers for his life. He says in verse 23, Now the king, fearing he should lose his life, said, If thou wilt spare me, I will grant unto thee whatsoever thou wilt, even to half of the kingdom. And I want you to remember that, because we're going to cover it a little bit later, what else he decides to give up. And he's impressed that Ammon only wants his brother's freedom and for Lamoni to retain his kingdom and be able to share all of the things that he's really doing. And one of the things that impresses the king the most, it says in verse 26, that he also saw the great love he had for his son Lamoni. All we need is love, right? I mean, you really look at this and our love for other people and our concern and genuine service of them is noticed and it will make a difference. 
They separate and Ammon and Lamoni rescue Ammon's brothers. And then we head into chapter 21. And this is the history of Aaron and a few of the others who were called to preach to the Amalekites and the Amulonites. And we know that the Amulonites were because Amulon was a high priest under Noah, which exercised authority over Alma the elder. But we don't know exactly who the Amalekites are. Some Book of Mormon scholars think it is a spelling error, and it's just really the Amlicites who rebelled and joined the Lamanites only to have their tails whipped by Alma the prophet warrior and his army near the river Sidon. Either way, they were a hard-hearted people, and more so because they had rejected the truth. They knew it and rejected it, unlike the Lamanites who had suffered under the delusions of their fathers long past. So these faithful missionaries get run out of town and mocked from town to town. Eventually, they're imprisoned in Madonai just shows you that missions can be pretty tough. They can be hard work out there. And then we move into chapter 22, where Aaron teaches Lamoni's father. Now, the first thing Aaron does is he tries Ammon's trick and says, hey, we're here to be your servants. And the king is having nothing of this. He's like, you didn't come here to be my servants. You came here to teach me the gospel because Ammon's already shown me that this is pretty remarkable stuff. It says in verse three, and now, O king, if thou wilt spare our lives, we will be thy servants. And the king said unto them, Arise, for I will grant unto you your lives, and I will not suffer that ye be my servants, but I will insist that ye shall administer unto me, for I have been somewhat troubled in my mind because of the generosity and the greatness of the words of thy brother Ammon. And I desire to know the cause why he has not come up out of Madonai with thee. He made a very good impression upon the king. Never underestimate your example to others. It has an effect. And so Aaron begins to teach. And the first thing he does is he also works on identifying the spirit. In verse 4, it says, And Aaron said unto the king, Behold, the spirit of the Lord has called him another way. He has gone to the land of Ishmael to teach the people of Lamoni. And that starts the talk about spirit and the great spirit. And he identifies God. And in verse 13, he talks about the plan of salvation. Again, we're going over the plan of salvation. And then in verse 15, Lamoni's father asks the golden question. He says, What shall I do that I may have this eternal life of which thou hast spoken? Yea, what shall I do that I may be born of God, having this wicked spirit rooted out of my breast, and receive his spirit that I may be filled with joy, that I may not be cast off at the last day? Behold, said he, I will give up all that I possess. Yea, I will forsake my kingdom that I may receive this great joy. So this is the second time we hear of Lamoni's father offering to give up his kingdom. And this time, it's not to spare his life in the temporal and mortal sense, but to save his spiritual life, his ability to repent and return to live with our Father in heaven. And Aaron tells him that he needs to repent. So he kneels down and he begins to pray. And I love this in verse 18. He says, O God, Aaron hath told me that there is a God. And if there is a God, and if thou art God, wilt thou make thyself known unto me? And I will give away all of my sins to know thee. So before he's offering to give up his temporal things, his kingdom, his possessions, and now look what more he's giving away. He's giving away his sins. He will give away all his sins to get to know our Father in heaven and to be able to repent. What do we need to do? Pray, repent, give up everything. And this brings to mind the lectures on faith. And I want to read this quote. It says, Let us here observe that a religion that does not require the sacrifice of all things never has power sufficient to produce the faith necessary unto life and salvation. 
For from the first existence of man, the faith necessary unto the enjoyment of life and salvation never could be obtained without the sacrifice of all earthly things. It was through this sacrifice, and this only, that God has ordained that men should enjoy eternal life. And it is through the medium of the sacrifice of all earthly things that men do actually know that they are doing the things that are well-pleasing in the sight of God. When a man has offered in sacrifice all that he has for the truth's sake, not even withholding his life and believing before God that he has been called to make this sacrifice because he seeks to do his will, he does know most assuredly that God does and will accept his sacrifice and offering and that he has not nor will not seek his face in vain. Under these circumstances, then, he can obtain the faith necessary for him to lay hold on eternal life. And the king, Lamoni's father, is experiencing this very thing. Elder Alexander B. Morrison said, To take his name upon us means a willingness to do whatever he requires of us. Someone has said that the price of a Christian life is the same today as always. It is simply to give all that we have, holding back nothing, to give away all of our sins to know him. When we fall short of that standard by reason of sloth, indifference, or wickedness, when we are evil or envious, selfish, sensual, or shallow, we, in a sense at least, crucify him afresh. And when we try consistently to be our very best, when we care for and serve others, when we overcome selfishness with love, when we place the welfare of others above our own, when we bear each other's burdens and mourn with those that mourn, when we comfort those that stand in need of comfort and stand as witnesses of God at all times and in all things and in all places, then we honor him and draw from his power and become more and more like him, growing brighter and brighter if we persist until the perfect day. Brothers and sisters, how blessed we are to have that gospel knowledge, to know what it takes to return to live with our Father in heaven. Well, this old king, he heard this, he was praying, and of course he passes out. The queen observes that he's passed out, and she's not like King Lamoni's wife. She gets a little bit hot. She tells the servants to go kill Aaron. And of course, the servants have seen what's happened, and they know Aaron is innocent, and they also know the strength of Aaron through the Spirit. Aaron sees this and he decides to do something about it. And he wakes up this old king and they began to preach and much success is given to them in their preaching. And the king ministers unto the crowd and he sets forth laws that Aaron and his brethren and Ammon and his brethren can preach the gospel of repentance. And as a result of that, many are converted. Brothers and sisters, missionary work is hard. But it is fulfilling. But I want you to notice the strategy because it doesn't have to be that hard. Service and love has been the best strategy from the beginning to the end. I know for me, service and love has been the best strategy. And I'm lucky because my work is service-oriented and I get to know my patients and I get to develop a relationship. I get to share things which the Lord blesses me with, you know, my home and, and my yard and and the things that I have, and I, I'm always looking for ways to be generous because I know that when people come and are with me and with my family, they have a chance to feel the Spirit and see the goodness of the church. And when they do, then they'll ask questions. And they'll ask questions about the gospel. And that's the joy that you receive by being a missionary, by being a good example. And I hope and pray that each of us will seek ways to be more bold in inviting others to, to church to hear the gospel, 
to just participate with us, to be friends with us and get to know the Spirit. And when they do ask these questions, that we're bold in testifying of those things that we know are true. Brothers and sisters, I do have a testimony that Christ is our Savior and that He loves us and He cares for us and He wants everyone, all of His children, to return. And we have to do that by bringing them into the fold. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to reach me at drjaredthomas at gmail.com or to text me at 916-412-2136. Thank you and have a blessed day.